Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. And we're live. Just like that, a magic little click happens, and then here we are. And I am really excited to introduce the guest, uh, the rock star, the VIP today, um, the godfather of agile marketing. Oh, <laughs> what a build up. I love it. That's, it. No, there's more. There's more. You can't there's talk. More. There's okay. more. Um, top 25 internet marketing leaders and innovators. Um, iMedia listed him as that. Author, podcast host, artist, art historian, VP of marketing at Pantheon Platform. Roland Smart, how are you, sir? I am good. That's a hell of an introduction. Thank you. you Glad to be here. You know, after the show, we'll send you a little 10-second clip of that you can use as your, your alarm clock on your phone. <laughs> nice. One of the perks of being, you know, chatting. I, I try not to believe, uh, you know, believe <laughs> my, the press releases about me. Don't but, believe the hype, the marketing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we know better, keep right? Me honest. Got to keep me on my toes and challenge me a bit here. Exactly. Like, but seriously, thanks for the opportunity to, to be here. And uh, I think we're going to talk about a subject that I'm pretty passionate about. And uh, I always love to talk a little bit about agile marketing. So let's do it. Well, hell yeah. And, and uh, I think my, my knowledge on this has come from my background on, in you know, the computer world and all that. So the, the software world. So it'll be interesting to hear about how this goes. So the theme for the show is really around agile marketing and the idea of what is agile and does it even have a place in marketing and all these kind of goodies? And I can't wait to learn more about it. You wrote the book on it. Uh, and so I just actually, here, here it is. This is Thor's hammer. Okay. So, so take that and go ahead and smash a myth, you know, just what yeah. kind of bogus strategy are you hearing out there? You know, ridiculous strategy nonsense. Yeah. So I think I would just start by saying that there's, there's, still a fairly significant contingent of marketers that would, if you ask them what is agile marketing, they would say with a pretty high degree of confidence that it, it's just the latest trend. It's just the sort of latest fad that marketers are focused on. And so here's how I would blow that up yeah. is that, um, so I think most of those people who say that uh, just don't have a good understanding of actually what is a very long tradition hmm. that is behind or has led up to what we call agile marketing today. So, you know, agile is something that really got its start over 40 years ago in the software development world. And in the early 2000s, some really smart developers got together and created something called the Agile Manifesto, huh. which the Agile Manifesto was really just about putting a bow around uh, a set of values and principles that cutting edge developers had been developing over the previous you know, 10 or 15 years. Right. And they said, everybody should be working in this way. This is a better way of doing it. And so they wrote this thing called the Agile Manifesto. And when they did that, what happened was by putting a name on it, it helped the community of developers at that point organize around it and share content about it and share best practices. And then like a whole, it became a movement really. That movement 
really revolutionized the way that software is built. Fast forward 10 years further, or 11 years further, you know, maybe to, to uh, 2011, and some really smart marketers got together and said, wait a second, like this has broader applicability. It's not just about software development. And they wrote something called the Agile Marketing Manifesto. Oh, cool. And the Agile Marketing Manifesto is the same kind of thing. It really just wrapped up a bunch of things that marketers had been doing for the previous 10 years. And they put a name on it. And when they put a name on it, marketers started talking about it and right. sharing and um, organizing around it and building community around it. Fast forward to 2018, and the first Agile marketing certification came to market. So now I see Agile trains and certifies uh, folks on Agile marketing, just as, you know, it wasn't until <clears throat> a, a while after uh, the Agile manifesto was written that developers could get certified on methods like Scrum. Um, so it's a very similar pattern that we're seeing here. It's not just a, a, a sort of the latest trend. This is a long, this is a train that left the station a long time ago and has been gaining momentum over time and is, you know, going to become a movement in the marketing function. Right. I, you're right that nobody knows about the history of it. And yeah. then it's because flash in the pan stuff is a, is a common thing in the marketing world. Just look around you. It's happening. Sure. AI, ABM, um, yeah. you know, predictive this, predictive that. Like in, in some of it has weight, some of it doesn't. But I, totally, like, I am comforted in the fact that there is this long-standing. It's been proven in the software world, so now we're just repurposing it in the marketing world. But it's been happening for years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could have a conversation about um, where, where ABM sits on the hype, sits on like buzz versus hype, but. Uh, I think Agile is uh, something that's quite foundational in okay. the sense that it can apply to a broad range of marketing functions, a broad range of the kinds of works, projects, programs that we run, okay. including account-based marketing. So I would say um, from my perspective, uh, account-based marketing is not as foundational as something like agile marketing. In fact, agile marketing can support ABM, but I do think ABM is an example of something where there was this just this insane amount of hype around it. But also, there's a ton. Like ABM is not really new, but what we saw is that we when we put a name on it and we called it ABM and a bunch of companies invested in it. Right. I've heard you say that a couple of times today. So yeah, I, I, I'm picking up on it. Yeah. You get a yeah. name and then you get it behind it. And yeah, then a community developed around it. And it really, yeah. um, if you are a marketer now and you want to understand what ABM is, there is a much more rich environment online in terms of the content and training materials that you would need to effectively right. execute an ABM program huh, okay. than there was before this, um, you know, focused attention on ABM right. as a thing and a, as a trend. Okay. That makes I don't sense. think ABM is going away either, but. But I like, I like that you brought up that, that agile has this foundational aspect to it. You know, are there some basic tenets? Because I, I think 
I'm for sure sold on the fact that, look, it worked for software. It works here. Mm-hmm. I've heard of Scrum. I've heard of different things. Like what is agile in a nutshell? You know, I know it's kind of like asking yeah. Elon Musk to explain what does it take to build a rocket? But like, if, could, if you were to summarize, like what is agile, to, you know, in terms of marketing? If you asked Elon Musk, he would probably say, well, it takes a bunch of fuel and a tube. He might say that you're right. You know, no, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and a match. And a match. Um, so I, I don't actually think it's that hard to ex- explain uh, what it is. I mean, I spend a lot of time doing this and I think um, at its most basic level, it's designed as a philosophy or approach for contexts in which it's very difficult to predict the future. So in contexts where things are changing very quickly, where for example, consumer expectation is changing quickly, or where market conditions are changing very quickly, or where technology is changing very quickly. And it's difficult to know what's going to work in six months from now. And it's also designed as a philosophy or an approach for context where you may not have really good historical data on which to do analysis to support a really good prediction of the future. And and so it, it addresses that context by okay. saying, let's take an iterative approach to validated learning. And the simple way of saying that is like, let's do something really small. Let's validate that it's going to work and that we're heading in the right direction before we invest more. And it's about small iterative releases that advance towards product market fit, reduce um, you know, when, when we make, do an iteration that takes us in a direction that doesn't provide value, we don't go any further in that direction than is necessary. We limit um, each step to the minimum necessary to validate that we're heading in the right direction. Mm. And um, the, this approach or philosophy is then made actionable through really well-defined, rigorous what's called agile methods. And the, the two methods that are most common and that I think it today a lot of marketers have heard about are Scrum and Kanban. And those methods are really just a collection of underlying practices, agile practices that your team does on a daily uh, basis. So for example, an agile practice would be something like running a daily Scrum, managing a backlog, grooming the backlog, um, having demo meetings, having retrospectives, like these are all agile practices and the, me- and the method like Kanban or Scrum just bundles up a package of those agile methods as a set, as a set or as a starting point for a marketing team to embrace as they start their, their agile journey and start working in kind of a different way. I think it is worth uh, mentioning just that, so what's the alternative to this? Right, because yeah. I think we know the alternative really well. Most marketers do. Then the alternative is waterfall. Waterfall mm-hmm. is designed as an approach or as a philosophy to say, um, we're going to look at this problem very carefully. We're going to collect all the data we can. We're going to analyze that data, and based on that analysis, we're going to predict predict with a very high likelihood how to get from point A to point B. If we do these things, uh, we'll get the outcome that we want. Right. And then it executes against that by saying, we need to do these things in this specific order to reach the goal. And, you know, we associate this with, you know, Gantt charts that have sure. sequential, um, you know, steps that move towards a goal. 
And I want to be clear, like there are, there are lots of things that marketers do today for which they can do a detailed analysis and predict with high confidence what they need to deliver in a few months from now. And Waterfall is and can be the best practice for those kinds of projects. The problem is, is that increasingly marketers are operating in an environment where they don't have the historical data or they're making assumptions that turn out to be wrong. And I think, you know, the, the, the thing that I would point to that every marketer that I know has experienced is like, I have never seen an annual marketing plan that survived more than a quarter. And in many cases, there are marketers who are building um, annual marketing plans that literally don't survive the first few weeks. <laughs> and so <clears throat> that exercise of working in that way is inefficient. It is, you know, leads to, um, you know, nobody wants to, it's really painful when you, when you build a plan based on a set of assumptions and you immediately step into the fog and discover that a bunch of your assumptions are wrong. And if your organization still holds you to the goals and the charter of that marketing plan, right. then you're effectively part of an organization that's working against a project you know isn't right before you've even started it. Right. And it can be just demoralizing and it's, the outcomes aren't going to be good. And this is part of the reason why CMO tenure is you know, not very long. It's because... <laughs> Too many marketing organizations are still operating in that fashion. Right. And I, I can see you're stuck. It's like you're, you're in that barrel about to go over the waterfall or you've already gone off the waterfall, right? You set the plan. This is what we're doing this year. This yep. The budget is, this is what everything is. Sorry, this is what you're, and then to your point immediately, you're like, well, this is a bad idea, but you can't get off the train. You're on it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Gross. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's certainly, yeah, that's certainly where a lot of marketing organizations find them. So, I mean, it depends on the scale of the company also. Like, you know, at really big companies, it's hard for teams that are on the ground to have influence necessarily and raise the flag that says, hey, these assumptions aren't right. Mm -hmm. And then trying to change the direction while you're also trying to continue executing against the thing that's on plan and there are going to be people who are debating whether or not the assumptions are really wrong and things just get, yeah, th things just get complicated and ugly and, and not productive. Right. And, and it's like, this is already proven to be effective in the software world where it's like, okay, yes. we're building the wrong thing here, people. Let's stop building it. Otherwise you spend right. all that time and money and resources building the software thing, or in this case, that marketing campaign that you know yeah. it's not even your target audience anymore. Yeah, totally. And in, and in marketing, right, we are managing more software than ever before. So in many cases, sure. it is actually software oh, that's a good point. Um, for the marketer. Uh, but it's not just software. I mean, I think what I would just say is that as you look at the way that Agile has made its way into the marketing function, uh, an obvious use case to start is the software stuff that marketers manage because the tradition comes out of the software development world. Right. But um, the, the broader applicability of Agile and the marketing function is, um, you know, I think is coming to light for any marketer that has used it 
in the limited context of their software projects. How complicated is it to start using it? Do you need to go get trained? Um, obviously, there's a great book that we're going to have links yeah. to and everything, but it, that, is it enough to just get a book? Do you need to get certified? Uh, you, we mentioned earlier, there's certifications. I mean, mm-hmm. or or just, hey, start doing these three actions that work. I mean, how, how do you... Yeah, so- it, it depends on the the context you're talking Good about. Point. If you're yes. at a giant enterprise company, um, yeah. I think it it's going to be harder to start with just a book. But there's tons of organizations, certainly in the startup world. Um, you know, folks are getting self directed. Uh, they are acting in a self directed way around this. And there's there's a ton of great resources online. I would say um, there is a there is a very active ecosystem that has developed over the last five years to support marketers that want to embrace agility. So that includes the biggest consultancies in the world, the the Baines, the McKinsey's, the Accenture's, the Boston Consulting Groups. They've all um, written content now on the topic of agile transformation. They've Mm -hmm. all built out service offerings. Um, Those are mostly focused on executive education and on sort of coming top down into organizations. Right. Uh, but then there's, um, you know, there's certainly conferences that are coming to market. There's a, a, I wrote a book, but there are many other books on the topic of adapting agile. Um, I host a podcast on the topic. Uh, there's also a, I think a very, uh, rich ecosystem of technologies that are coming to market to support the marketing function as they adopt Agile. So there are general purpose tools that marketers can use like Asana or Trello or Jira or LeanKit, um, those. Right. And then there are purpose-built tools which um, can help a specific marketing function embrace agility, um, whether that's so marketing automation tools usually um, have some kind of um, testing and iteration features built into them. Um, In the case of Pantheon, uh, you know, we're very focused on enabling web teams to operate in an agile fashion. Okay. But, um, you know, there's this ecosystem of technology that's coming to market. And the last thing that I would say is that where there used to be only training and certification for engineering or software or project management uh, leaders, there's now certification for marketers. So cool. uh, it depends on your context and how quickly you want to move. But uh, if I were to say one thing, like th- th- I don't see the barrier to getting started as being very high. I talk with lots of marketers who um, self-start and who tap into this ecosystem to get going. And they pick a, a basic method. I usually, for general non-software projects in the marketing function, I generally recommend that people start with a method called Kanban. Okay which interestingly actually doesn't come out of the Agile tradition. It comes out of the Lean tradition. Right. So where Agile is, comes out of the software development world, Lean comes out of the manufacturing world. But if you looked at the Venn diagram of Agile and Lean, today there's about 80% overlap. So Kanban is, um, when we think about the Agile marketing movement, it's really uh, both Lean and Agile coming together. The dominant term in the marketplace today is Agile. Okay. But... Um, you know, you, you should also consider lean traditions and Kanban is just a slightly different bundle of practices. It, it, uh, Kanban, to get started with Kanban, you actually have to 
start with a smaller number of practices overall. So it's easier for marketers to embrace. Typically, marketers are less process-oriented than their software development peers. Right. So if they start with a method that has too many underlying practices, it can be overwhelming. Mm. And it can uh, cause marketing teams to kind of reject Agile and um, rebel against it. Right. So too, it's many, better, too many rules. Yeah, too many rules. So it's better to start with a lighter implementation. And the typical pattern that I see of most successful teams is that they start with a small set of practices. And the most important practice in any Agile method is the retrospective. And the retrospective doesn't look at the work that you produce in an iteration or a month-long release cycle. It looks at the practices and the method that you're using and improves the practices and the method you're using. So it's uh, people sometimes confuse the word retrospective thinking, oh, this is a retrospective on the project we just did. Right. Like, how do we it's do, guys? Yeah. yeah it's, not a, it's not that. It's more how is our agile implementation working for us? And if you start with a small set of practices and one of them is the retrospective, the typical pattern that I see is that as you get going, you get through a few iterations, you realize that you need some other practices. So they pick up another practice and they pick up another practice or oh, they pop practice. And so what tends to happen is that they, they develop a, a, a method that's really tailored to their, their team, their company culture, their project over a period of three to six months. Got it. You know, this, the retrospective, and I'm, I'll say it back to you to see if I got it. You're at the end or the conclusion of a phase in a project, you're looking back not on the work that's been done, but the way that you approached it and the process yeah. of how it all happened. Is that, is that accurate? There's, there's actually a second, a, a different practice that's focused on looking at the work that you just produced. That's called the demo. Oh, um, the demo is about sharing out what you did with the rest of your organization so that they're aware of the work that you did. Interesting, because um, I know Drift uh, does that. And I, I, was, I was hearing that they do that as an organization. They have this thing to get a show and tell on Friday. Right. I didn't realize they got that from Agile. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're tapping into something that uh, I think is worth calling out, which is that a lot of marketers are doing things that are consistent with Agile, but they don't know that. They don't, right. they don't call it Agile. Right. Um, this is part of the reason why it's useful that a bunch of marketers got together and named this thing Agile Marketing because, it, um, because marketers who are doing a lot of this stuff learn about Agile Marketing like, oh, wait, I'm doing some of these things. Uh, I get it. And, and sometimes they then say, well, this is just the name of, like, what's the big deal? Yeah. Like, I've been doing this for a while. But usually when they get into it, then they start seeing, oh, wait, there's like all this other stuff that people were doing under the banner of Agile that I wasn't aware of and that I'm not doing. And that's usually when the kind of light bulb goes off for them. They're like, oh, okay, there's a lot of structure and practices here that I can benefit from and I can get more discipline in my implementation. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's something that I see happen a lot. So in I like you said when you said this, I paid attention. See the the one you start with is the retrospective, or at yeah. least recommend. And I'm I'm starting to see why, because at the end of these periods of time, would would you do the whole project at the end of that or just at the end of a week or no? So so 
another practice is to um, operate in iteration. So you basically, you know, time box work or releases. And so that could be anywhere between uh, two weeks or a month. And at the end of that period, you'd typically run a demo where you share out what you produced with the company. You'd run a retrospective. How did we do process-wise? Um, and you might do some other practices, but those are some pretty foundational ones. Right. And so w- that's helpful. So period of time, you're chunking things up. At the end of a period of time, demo is good, but for sure the retrospective. And then you're looking back on the way that you did the work as not, yes. a, as not the work itself. And then from there, to your point, you're going to expose weaknesses or, well, right. our meeting timing was off or we missed this one deadline. Like, well, why did that happen? Right. And then that totally. introduces all these challenges that you could solve with other practices. Other practices are modifying the ones you have. Like if, right. if, if you're having a scrum meeting, a scrum meeting is a 15 minute stand up synchronization meeting. Software development teams typically do these every day. And the goal of these meetings are to quickly sync up a small cross-functional team around what did they just finish? What are they working on right now? Are there barriers in their path? And it's a really short, succinct meeting that ensures that there's good alignment as people start their day. Well, for marketing teams, doing it every day usually isn't an ideal fit. Um, Oftentimes, I see marketing teams doing it two to three times a week. Uh, so I just like, it could be at the, at at the end of a retrospective, you say, wait, we're doing scrum isn't serving us well at one day a week. Maybe we need to try it twice a week week and see if that helps. Right. Um, so it could be just, um, modulating a particular practice or it could be, um, adding a new practice. So, um, you know, part of what a, a practice that goes really well with operating in an iterative fashion month-long releases or two-week-long releases is that you you have you, you typically would have a backlog. Mm. Maintaining a backlog as a practice that is a pretty foundational one. And that's just, you know, you've got a list of priorities. You're trying to scope those priorities. How big are they? And you're trying to prioritize them from a business value perspective. And at the beginning of each period or each iteration, one of the things you're doing is you're doing sprint planning and you're figuring out, okay, of the stuff in the backlog, what are we going to try and knock down in this sprint? In is sprint tied to iterations? Yeah, sprint is an iteration. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, so there's a practice of having a backlog and grooming a backlog. And grooming a backlog means yeah. you, you look at the items in the backlog, you scope them. And when you scope them, you're often breaking them up into smaller pieces to make sure you're not doing any more than you need to, to validate that you're heading in the right direction. Ah. Um, and you're also doing work to understand, try and assess the business value. And it's the combination of feasibility and importance that allows you to create a priority score for them. I love that feasibility plus importance. It just sounds like, like really good best practices for project management. It is. is it I mean, more than you, that? Can, you can, yeah. So yes, because I mean, you can have project management with waterfall too. True. Right. I mean, you can have somebody True. manage, uh, do project management uh, with incredible excellence and mastery. Yeah. In the context of a waterfall project, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, there. There are pro. It is a approach to project management, but it's uh, it is a different approach in the sense that. 
um, there is a North Star that you're headed to, but there isn't a fully flushed out plan to get from A to B because the reality is you don't know what's going to get you from A to B. With you can't have high confidence that you you can map out a path that's going to get you there. Right. And right. In fact, oftentimes we learn that B is not where we thought it was, or not where you want to go, or not. Yeah. So even even the goals may change. Or, or not. You want to go where B is. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're, I mean, unless you, you think that there's a different uh, market opportunity that is not B, but is C. Um, yeah. Maybe you change what you think the opportunity is, but mm. um, yeah. Got it. Still want growth and we're thinking it's through this channel, but we're going to do the minimum amount of, of effort in this direction to test and make sure yeah. you know, validating this is the right direction and then just go full bore in that way. <clears throat> yep. Cool. Very cool. So retrospective, start with that one. Iteration, sprints, <clears throat> scrum, backlog. Any other any other ones that stand out for like that that be that marketer that wants to start beginning into this? This process, um, I think that's a good starter. That's set. a good start. Good. I don't. I don't need too many. To your point, yeah. right? don't overwhelm. Yeah. Okay. Totally. I would start simple. Yeah. Start simple. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I see all there's like tools in your tool belt. They're just these practices that you pull out, and and by following them, you're. You're aligning the team. You're, you're keeping yourself out of hot water. You're, and to your earlier point, you're not going any further down a direction until it's va been validated. This is all so really good stuff. What, what we haven't talked about is, you know, there. The, in order to get value, we've we've talked tactically about. Mm. Um, we we went from an approach or a philosophy all the way down into what are the practices. Right. The the sure. piece that I think we haven't really talked about is going back up to the philosophy piece of it okay. is that there are some pretty significant mindset changes that teams have to go through to actually successfully adopt agile. Okay. So an example of that would be um, if you're operating in, 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 so one, one area where I see teams struggle and it has to do with executive buy-in and understanding of this of this approach and what the consequences are. Okay. So something that I, I think is is a little bit of hyperbole, but I do see it, is that senior marketers or CMOs really object to the idea philosophically of putting something in the market that we aren't confident is going to work or that is going to be brand consistent. Okay. Sure. And, um, you know, they don't want to fail in a public way. And yeah, failure. Uh, yeah. And one of the things that's implied in the agile approach is that you, you're going to fail on your way to uh, getting to success. And in fact, if you look at just from a ratio perspective, you're going to fail a lot more than you're going to succeed. Right. Right? Any R&D process involves way more failure than success. 
Totally. Right. I mean, they're totally. that yeah. gets you in hot water politically, right? Having a lot of fails attached to your name. If you don't have executives who have, who are approaching it from the right mindset. So uh, one right. of the reasons that they're afraid of it is that they think of failure in the context of waterfall. Mm. So failure in the context yeah. of waterfall is really bad <laughs> because you've one, you started the project from the premise that you could make with that you could do an analysis that you had high confidence was going to be right. So if you get to the end and it turns out you weren't right, you've invested a ton of energy and time in getting there and the consequences are going to be huge. Right. Um, so if you are an executive and you're thinking about failure and that's what you think of, yes, you're going to be afraid. But the thing is, is that when you're embracing Agile and you're working in small iterations, any one failure is actually going to be really, really small. In fact, the goal is to make failures as small as they can possibly be. Cool. And so, um, you know, I think that if you put this in the context of brand, for example, there's another component to it, which is a traditional understanding of brand would be to say, we're not going to put anything out in the marketplace that's inconsistent with our brand. Mm. And this is just a fundamental misunderstanding of the way that brands operate, in my view. I think it's more that, um, you know, they're afraid that they're going to somehow do a disservice to their audience is going to be offended by how they put something in market that's in inconsistent with the brand. Right. The reality is that if you're making small changes and you do something that's inconsistent with the brand and your community or customers tell you, hey, this, this is wrong. This isn't the brand that we think you are. Right. If you are able to then respond very, very quickly mm -hmm. and correct the issue, the net result of that is actually that your community is more attached and loyal to your brand than they were before the experience. So. Right. Going to, I mean, this sounds odd, but going, making small mistakes in a public way and correcting them actually has a more significant impact on attach rate than, you know, doing something that's brand consistent on a big scale. I'm trying to think of examples of that where, where companies, I guess the small ones you don't even remember. You know, I, I, guess, I guess if you make changes to your brand in a waterfall sense, um, who was it? Maybe like the Gap or something. Oh, I think it was the Gap had this horrible logo that everyone just hated and refused to use. I don't know if they ever went back, but it was like this big, sharp yeah. change. But that was still in the context of a waterfall project, right? Sure. They did a big reveal. Right. So what I... Big reveal, yeah. That's a waterfall move. It's more like you can still have a big reveal with an Agile project, but... Like they should have been testing that logo in lots of small ways with their insiders and VIPs, and they should have been assessing the the bigger impact earlier on. And at some point, after the logo has had already been deployed in a number of different com, con, contexts and validated, they could have still like set up a stage and pulled back the screen and said, "Ah, our new logo!" Right? They're not. It doesn't stop them from doing that. Right. You can still do that. Yeah, and when I think about brand, I'm thinking about I'm not just talking about identity. I'm thinking sure. about brand in a more holistic sense. But um, this is an example of a mindset change. I, I, there are other mindset changes have to do with um, traditional 
a traditional approach to management is a command and control structure where okay. the, the executives of the company set the strategic direction of the company and they expect that to cascade down through the organizations that are going to execute. With Agile, I mean, again, that's based on waterfall. It's based on the executive team is looking from the top of the mountain. They see the entire field. They have a high confidence about what's, how this war is going to play out. Right. And they're directing their troops. And the reality is, is that um, it's a jungle. Mm-hmm. And the people who actually are um, closest to the work are, are the ones who are likely to have the strategic insights that are really going to drive the business forward and, and that are going to win. Right. And so adopting an agile approach really flips the traditional command and control structure. Um, that's not to say that insight and strategy isn't going to come from the top down. It will. Right. Executives have a unique viewpoint and they have um, uh, a perspective that's very valuable for the business, but it right. needs to be integrated mm. with what the teams who are actually on the ground and close to the work are seeing. And it's that integration process that is um, really critical. And the mindset change here for the executive is that like, they have to let go of the idea that um, this command and control structure is going to work. What happens is with the command and control structure is that um, there's a lot of latency between when the messages come down from the top and um, it just, it causes traffic jams and it ca- like, it just, it leads to less productivity. T- teams are going ha- that have validated they're heading in the wrong direction, end up keep continuing in that direction keep for going. extended periods of time. And they like, probably know is, it. Totally. Yeah. This is the thing yeah. that we talked about a minute ago. Like yeah. we had a marketing plan. We agreed to it. You're supposed to be executing on it. Right. 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 How do you do that? Uh, um, how do you resolve the two together, that long tail, the long-term vision of maybe that hierarchy without the command and control system and yeah. then the information from the, the boots on the ground? And then how do you, how do you resolve those magically together? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like talking with my hands right now. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like my hands are like flying all over the place like I'm Italian. So um, I think there are – so in the market, there are um, a number of dips- – Let's go back. Software development. Software developers have been dealing with this problem for a long, much longer time. Good point. Right. So they've got some practices and, and um, frameworks that are designed to address this very problem. Um, there are things like scaled agile framework or safe. And there's large scale scrum. And there's other frameworks that are out there that are designed to integrate this bottom up agile model with a top down st- strategic model. I think. For, for companies like Pantheon, what we are doing is we have a, a, a lighter weight framework, which uh, was popularized at Google called the um, Objective and Key Results or OKR framework, which um, has goals that are set at the top level by the executive team and do cascade down into the company. Uh, each each team builds their goals off of mm. what um, their the the layer atop of them is focused on. So, in theory, like there's strong connectivity um, coming down into the company, and then 
um, as these teams build, manage and build their backlogs, they're pushing back up and saying like, this goal that you have is inconsistent with what we're hearing on the ground. And like they, there's a process by which they can surface those because their, their goals have to be approved by their managers who have to be approved by their managers and so on. So the OKR framework itself provides opportunities to drive synchronization between these, um, you know, layers within the company. Yeah. You would need a process, right? So people feel safe doing that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, totally. Yeah. There, there are, um, for those of your listeners who are interested in this, I would, I would recommend just familiarizing yourself with those um, scaled agile frameworks that are out there. There's some really good ideas. I mean, I feel as I have engaged um, with really big companies on a consulting basis or through my work at Oracle, um, the need for this is most pronounced at, at bigger companies. Mm-hmm. Right, because you have more and more layers yeah, latency you talked about earlier just gets longer and longer. Yeah, more delayed, and then people feel really disjointed at that point. But I yeah. could say even you know a company you know um, our size, what you know twenty even twenty people. Sometimes you can get you know so into your own processes that you know the, that this kind of thing can pop up. And it it's funny as we're talking about this how um, I even have some systems in my own company that are, are designed in an agile in a very agile way to change things up on the quarterly basis, not just the year. And it's, it's interesting that not only are marketers maybe using these things, but even companies are using these things. They may not even know that they're agile. Yeah, totally. But once they figure that out, their practice, the likelihood that they're going to improve their practices is increased. Right, right. Being more intentional about it, knowing what, yeah. what's actually happening. Don't just sort of like fall into it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. interesting. So the book... Um, when did you write this? It's called The Agile Marketer. Yeah, in 2016. 2016. Yeah. How was that process? Uh, it, was, uh, it was good. Uh, the book, you know, I, I wrote the book in what I would describe a kind of agile process. So oh, a lot cool. of the content that's in the book was originally written as a blog post. Oh, perfect. And, you know, yeah. I, I wrote this blog post just to share what I was learning with other marketers. People commented on the blog post, told me, how and where I was getting it wrong. <laughs> sure. Uh, I rewrote a lot of those blog posts over the years and then eventually uh, decided to kind of pull them together. Um, the component, like that, I didn't just string together a blog posts to write the book, but the ideas were there. Right. And then I sort of tied them together more into a narrative arc. And the book actually started as a giant Google Doc where as I was writing it, I had a group of marketers who were just in my network, who were looking at different chapters and sort of oh, helping wow. me evolve the content as I went. So that was the sort of middle process. And then ultimately, I um, brought in an editor to help me like mm-hmm. polish it up, get it over the finish line, and I published it in 2016. That's and cool. I could, I could for an update. I this is the you know it bugs me that it's it, it totally needs a, a refresh, another iteration. Yeah, even just the nature of that physical printed book makes Waterfall just almost like a a natural. And you know, I'm writing one right now on marketing automation, and I and I have the feeling it's a little too waterfally, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the fact of getting more input on it sooner than later, not at the end, right? Wait till yeah, the, totally. And then you find out, oh, maybe this whole thing's in the wrong direction. And we also, I also had like a community of marketers who had added value to the book who were 
um, invested in seeing the book be successful. Right. I mean, these are people who, who care a lot about um, marketing, adopting Agile because they see it as a, like me, they basically see it as a, a thing that is going to increase the likelihood that marketing is as a profession, as a discipline, is going to have more credibility within the business. Right. Yeah. Much, you know, a seat at the table, credibility, yeah. Yeah. the CMO sticking around a little bit longer. Yes. Then one waterfall session. And he, yeah. And we're out. just starting to see CMO tenure creep up a little bit. So oh, good, good, good. Do you know where it's at now? Is it just over a year? I think. Yeah, so there, there's there's actually new research out um, on this, and it it uh, I need to dig into the research. It, it depends on how you slice it. If you're looking at high growth companies, I think it's still um, in the eighteen month range. Yeah, okay. If you're looking at yeah. more established companies, it's I think gone from I want to say thirty months to up into somewhere in the forties. Oh, at least wow. that's the latest research that I've seen. Yeah, the high growth thing is the is the is a dangerous one. <laughs> you don't want to be a flash. I know. Well, I know. That's what I'm up against here. Yeah. You, so, so, who are you? How how did you become the godfather of agile marketing? I've, uh, now, I've since labeled you that, so we're just yeah. gonna roll with it. I don't know if I can <laughs> accept that mantle. No, you can't. Uh, what, what would you modify that to? We don't have to go any further down this path until we we can modify it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I would just say, you know, I, I am um, one of a, uh, I think a group of marketers who are really trying to get this ball running, uh, rolling, so to speak. And, you know, I think that there are people like um, Jim Yule. I think there are people like Scott Brinker. There are people like Andrea Fryer, um, Yuval Uray. Um, yeah. Frank Day is my co-host on the Marketing Agility podcast. So there's, there's a, I think a cohort of marketers who've been trying to advance this for a while. And um, I consider them my compatriots in, in making this movement happen. Excellent. Well, certainly an advocate and probably yeah. the best dressed of all the agile marketers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe, 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 I don't know. Maybe you can accept that award. So, but tell me like, who are you? Where did you come from? How did you, how did you end up the way you're at now? Maybe you take us back to, you know, yeah baby rollender the dinosaurs we were saying earlier <laughs> sure right um well i i came to marketing through a non-traditional path and i think that's part probably contributed to the fact that i um, had to be more entrepreneurial and uh, i started uh, actually early on uh in the art gallery business i i have a, an arts degree um I was focused on design and, and art when I was uh, in college. I also have a traditional degree um, that I got in parallel. So I, I've always sort of been interested in business and creative um, pursuits. So right. marketing was a very good combination of those two things. Um, early on in my career, when I was um, running uh, some commercial art galleries, I discovered that I was good at marketing. And um, I would say, uh, I, I discovered an interest in marketing 
and at the same time, a disinterest in being in the art business. <laughs> um, but at the same time, that's happening. You're like, eh, I don't know what this. Yeah, I mean, I, I just that was not where I wanted to put on my business hat. Right. And uh, but I did sell a lot of art, and actually through the pro- through the process of selling art, a lot of my clients at the time were were business people. They were they were entrepreneurs, right? And um, I like there was a couple of conversations that I had with uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't even necessarily describe them as collectors in the traditional collectors. They were people who bought art and they had businesses, and sometimes they were buying art for their businesses. Mm-hmm. And they saw what I was doing with the gallery and said, "Well, you know, you've created a lot of excitement around this gallery in this space. Like, I'm basically trying to find a way of doing that for my business." Would you consider helping me do that for my business? Right. And so that's when I started. Essentially, I, I just, uh, in a, in addition to running the art gallery, I said, "Sure, I'll give it a shot." And I was basically working as a, a consultant. I that eventually became my main gig, as I was working just as a consultant, and uh, that was an interesting experience. I, I had the um, typical kind of lumpy life of a consultant that. Um, it seemed like everybody wanted me to work for them at once. And then, um, you know, things were thin and busy. And, uh, so I was living that, but the good part about that, that time in my life was that, um, because I didn't have a formal marketing degree and, uh, really all the work that I was getting was word of mouth. I didn't have a shingle. I didn't, it was just people recommending me. Um, I think that made it so that people who were coming to me weren't looking for a guy who's great at PR or a guy who can help me with my website or a a (laughs) content marketer or I need a product marketer. And so the, the impact for that had on my practice was that I got thrown into all everything. Like people would just throw projects at me and I would say, hey, look, I, I don't necessarily have a ton of experience doing this, but I'll give it a shot and we'll see how we go. And I, you know, I had a great um, network at the time and I learned a lot from other marketers. And to be frank, at that time, I was also immersing myself in, um, I didn't get a marketing degree, but I, I read all the books, I read all the curriculum and I was right. trying to give myself an education as I was going on. And one of my observations was it seemed like there was a there was a lot of great stuff and information I got out of that curriculum, but there was a real disconnect between what was happening in my day to day life and the content that was in these books sure and while they did provide a foundation, they didn't really provide me with what I needed to get shit done right and so I was at a place where I was like a lot of marketers today where I started doing some things that are consistent with agile. I didn't know about agile back Mm -hmm. then. Um, But that's the way that I was doing it. Not very well, but um, better than some other people apparently because people liked hiring me and I made a difference for their business. Right. And um, eventually uh, I was consulting for a company um, out here in San Francisco, actually, it wasn't even a company yet. I was consulting for a guy who was a very successful entrepreneur who was about to start his next company, um, but it hadn't been started yet. They were just sort of trying to get their act together, and he needed support telling the story and sure. you know all the things you need to do to raise money and get going. And 
Um, so I was helping with that. And <clears throat> I was coming out to San Francisco and he eventually got his business off the ground. This guy was the founder of a company called Odwalla, which was bought by Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. very, yeah. very well-known beverage company. And um, I ended up being one of the first employees of that company and coming on as their, their marketing person. And um, that's when I would say I, I, that was when I transitioned out of the world of being a consultant and really started focusing, in this case, on a, um, you know, a, on a consumer brand, which was great. Um, and being in San Francisco, I, I quickly learned about the marketing technology space because, right. I mean, this was the early, early, early days of social media. Um, and I just got really interested in that space. And um, as I integrated into the San Francisco community, I ended up um, transitioning to work for some marketing technology company startups, helping grow those startups. Um, I worked for a really interesting um, uh, consultant consultancy, design consultancy, or user experience consultancy um, called Adaptive Path, where they, as a firm, were very focused on helping companies improve the way that they did product management. Hmm. and em- embraced agile practices although they didn't oh. necessarily do it under the ha- uh, header of agile they, again you know they're doing agile well they knew that they knew it was called agile they just oh. decided not to call it that oh got it uh but one of the things that i learned working there that was really a, a really profound insight for me was that while they were a lot of their most successful projects it wasn't just their product, the product management organization. They were teaching how to produce products better. The marketing organizations were folk, were brought into those engagements. Because okay. going to market with products and the, the line between what was product and what was marketing was getting very blurred. And as a user experience firm, like user experience doesn't start at the product. User experience <laughs> starts before you start to buy the product. Sure. And they were making helping these companies operate or embrace practices that would in, uh, improve the likelihood that they would have a cohesive experience all the way through the buyer's journey, all the way through ownership. And that was a profound insight for me. Uh, That was really when I understood, okay, there's this thing called agile. It comes from software development. If I see how it's transforming software development and product management teams, I see how it's developing marketing. And if we can do it together, Right. There are these opportunities to really blur the boundary between what we call product and what we call marketing and deliver experiences that are um, just on a whole nother level and that where you can deliver really delightful experiences, great experiences that differentiate brands and drive revenue for companies. So that was kind of when the light really went on for me. And then I went back to... Um, some uh, marketing technology companies. We sold a couple of those companies. I then spent six years at Oracle working in a really big business and trying to take some of these practices to market in the context of a giant organization. Yeah. Um, And while I was there, while I was at Oracle, I was working on some really, really massive scale web projects. Yeah, let me tell you about that because I I was looking it up. You were the VP of social in a company like Oracle who just the brand does not exude like, hey, we're social. It's like, hey, you can rely on our our servers, but it's not a social thing. So how did did you balance the two? Yeah, so I actually worked on a number of different things when I was at Oracle. My my, 
uh, my title isn't necessarily, it's not very representative of the range of things that I've worked on. Yeah. Um, I, when I first, first came in, um, I was looking after I, I helped set up, uh, or evolve the corporate social team, but I also, um, social for them also meant looking after their community programs and got community uh, at Oracle. That's a huge user community. I mean, they've got an incredible, um, developer community, not to mention, the communities that are built around their marketing automation um, technologies. So you probably know they they bought Eloqua, they bought Responses, right. they bought right. a, a, like a whole swath of marketing technologies, and all of those um, technologies had communities associated with them. Right. So really helped sort of um, modernize those programs. But the the theme of the work that I did at Oracle was. Um, I was working on modernization initiatives. Typically, we would bring in a technology, oftentimes a technology that Oracle had acquired, mm-hmm. put it to, into use for the corporate marketing function, and then retra- either stand up a team or t- retrain a team to be able to work in a different way to get the value from that technology. Okay. Um, and a couple of the projects were very large-scale web projects. And as I was working on them, in an enterprise context, it was really, really hard to get these teams to embrace agility because it was just a, it, they weren't used to working that way. They didn't have the tooling that they needed. Um, we talked ab- about the fact that there are like general purpose agile tools and then there are specific agile tools for specific functions. Okay. So we were, the specific function that I was, one of the specific functions that I was looking after was some large scale web projects. Um, and, uh, they didn't have, so this is a space where DevOps or developer operations would be one of the tool sets you would use to really facilitate. Um, you, DevOps is all about um, driving down the cost of make, deploying changes or releasing changes to software. Sure. We, Pantheon works on a version of DevOps we call WebOps, which is a... Um, a set of technologies and processes that are focused just on web teams. So software teams, but software teams that are focused just on web. Just on web. Um, and we didn't have a good DevOps setup. We, we built one and the, what we built worked for us and helped us, but it took a lot of energy to build it and maintain it. And that's when I got introduced to Pantheon. Mm. And Pantheon basically is a web ops platform where instead of having to have a developer on your team cobble together your web ops implementation and maintain it over time, this is a managed service you can just buy. Hmm. And when I was exposed to Pantheon and I was working on these projects at the time, I was like, oh my, like, this is amazing. Like, right. I, I need this to be able to, like, if, if we had this, we, our projects would have been moving much, much faster. And fundamentally, like, it's very difficult to embrace agility if you 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 can't drive down the cost of making um, changes to your site because um, think about it this way like in in a particular month right if the cost of making a release is very very high if you're only doing three releases a month three changes three major changes to your website a month or maybe a quarter if the cost of making any one of those changes is high it's not that big of a deal right because you're only doing it three times. But when you embrace Agile, you move away from big, rele- from big releases towards, it's not three big releases in a quarter. It's 
30 really small releases. And if you're doing 30 small releases a quarter and the cost is high, you can't do it. So essentially, if you don't have a web ops platform that works for you, it's very difficult for your web team. It's almost impossible for your web team to fully embrace agile. Yeah, right. You like I totally get it. You can't do it. The whole point is to do multiple releases. Yes. Then the risk is lower and you're faster, you're more responsive. Totally. But if adding those 27 more releases is going to cost you way more, if you can't manage that cost, then you you can't deploy agile. It's just right. I mean, fundamentally if your developer has to spend, you know, a day moving something from your dev environment to your staging environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and compare that with when you have web ops and you've automated that process, he can do it in four minutes. Right. Right. He's got a lot of time to work on more releases that he just didn't have before. Or she didn't have before. Sure. So um, web ops or any DevOps um, process is about automating any and everything you can mm. that um, will give your web team time back so that they can focus on the higher value things that they can do for you. And I mean, de- development teams or web teams in general, um, well, I'll just say developers, they're not just task doers. You know, they're not just, you don't, you know, they, they're, Develop, developers actually have an opportunity to, to really be innovators and right. to be creators and creatives in the way that they work. But if, if so much of their time is dominated by drudgery of just working things through a process, exactly. then it's difficult to get that value out of them and more broadly out of the web team. Absolutely. I know that, that makes total sense. And so you became a huge fan because Pantheon then enabled you to deploy to, to be totally. agile in Oracle of all places. And then, well, we, I wish I didn't have, I didn't have Pantheon at Oracle. Oh, you did? Uh, I, I did. No, well, I wish I had it. Uh, but that's why I came to, to Pantheon. Do you have it now? Have you, have you sold it into them yet? No, <laughs> no, no. We, I know. I wish I could get it in there. Um, they could absolutely benefit from it. But yeah, uh, yeah no, Oracle, Oracle is... Um, they have a hard, they have a challenge in terms of, they haven't gone through from an executive level. They haven't done the mindset change bits. So right. um, it's very, that's the battle that's being fought right now is getting the internal support for agile transformation so that these technologies, what technologies like this can be deployed to help them operate in a different way. Right. It's a good earlier on in the journey. Yep. Right, it's not just the tech. You can't just yeah. deploy that tech. You have to have that mindset shift. I mean, Otherwise, you're still not going to. Totally. I mean, the other thing is, is that they, um, for for larger organizational reasons, or just like by company edict, mm-hmm. um, they re- have required that these these teams use Oracle technology. And so, when we built, like we we did have a version of web ops right you built we your own built it ourselves and that just took a lot of effort right and what we built just isn't as good as what pantheon built because pantheon has hundreds of hundreds of customers who are giving us feedback <laughs> we're, we're dedicated to just building this yeah so it's hard to compete with that but um 
you know, there, but this is one of the challenges that, that large enterprises face. Absolutely. Like, you know, dude, how, how disciplined should we be about only using our own technology and for what and where and how much, um, you know, this is a case where it's still very command and control where mm -hmm. somebody at the top of the organization said, this is the way it needs to be. And the teams at the ground are saying, actually, what we're seeing on the ground, there's a better way of doing this. And it doesn't actually conflict with our strategic goals as a company, but the messages haven't connected in the middle yet. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, that's one of the challenges, of course, of selling into enterprises. Yeah, 100%. You know, it makes total sense. I, I can see the moving pieces. And then it, I can also yeah. see why Pantheon would then want to bring you on board. Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, you were there. You've been in situations where you would love to have something like this. Well, I, I think being at Pantheon is a privilege because um, I am already passionate about helping marketers adopt Agile. I see Pantheon <laughs> as a tool set to help mar marketers, particularly that are managing websites, embrace agility. And the reality is, as marketers, like the website is the single most important digital experience that we have. Right. Hands down. Like of everything we have in our portfolio, we got a lot of stuff. The website is just, it, it's the key building block in the center of almost everything we do. So it's such a critical um, piece that my view is if we can get web teams to adopt Agile and to see the benefit, the rest of the organism, marketing organization is going to get in alignment. I see that, right? Get the creative team doing it, then everyone else kind of follows suit. Because if you want to get your thing built or your change happening, you yep. need to follow this process. And so yep. that sort of like invades everywhere else. That makes total you sense. Yeah, you it makes total it. sense. Yeah. It, 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 if you look at the way that Agile is in the marketing function today, mm -hmm. it can be in a number of different functions, but it's still kind of siloed. Right. So the web team is a mechanism to actually break down silos because... Um, it connects all these groups. Every one of these groups has to deploy their thing right, right. on the site somehow. Uh, question I'm dying to ask you related to this, it, planning has always been one of my, I don't call it a trigger or something, but one of these sore spots for me because a lot of people we work with, you know, and I've been there too, whereas a marketer, you're just sort of doing the campaign each month, you know, um, in almost like the wrong kind of planning. It, and I, and I and I see agile and marketing. Maybe does that help bridge the gap? I, I don't see actually. It's almost like the opposite. I don't see even the waterfall. I see okay, here's a goal, and then all I'm just going to do is execute the same thing every month and not really look ahead. Is there an answer in agile with that? Well, I would say agile as a philosophy encourage us encourages us to think about programs that we can iterate on over time and make more productive over time. And so that tends to make us less campaign oriented. It's not about something that has a beginning a middle and an end. Typically most of our energy is going to be on building something that's programmatic and has long-term value. Like a nurture uh, campaign. Yeah. Like a nurture campaign. That, that's not to Every say we won't content. run campaigns, yeah. right? Of course we're going to run campaigns too, but, um, you know, we, we try and bring some kind of repeatable, more programmatic lens to the campaigns that we do run. Right. Or we tie them, tie our campaigns to ongoing programs so that they can be additive over time. Right. That's the right approach. I, I love that 
I mean, that's that's where I want people to go too. So yeah. this makes me a but there's, fan yeah. of that too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not, you know, you got to be comfortable being a little bit uncomfortable here because it's not going to be clear cut always. And you know, there's going to be some ambiguity and sure. there will be cases where you just need to run campaigns. Right. right. <laughs> True. That's not going away. Right. <laughs> uh, there is a place for that. Just as, it, just as in the marketing function as a whole, there is a place for waterfall projects. Sure. For sure. Like some things are going to happen at a specific date in time that mm. you know they're going to happen. And conference. Like conferences can be a good example of that. Yeah. Now, right. There may be things you experiment with. Um, I think there are ways to apply agile in some ways to conferences, but at, right. but on the macro level, there's going to be a waterfall backbone. Right. right. At some point it happens. <laughs> yes. At some point it happens. Yes. <laughs> and you probably exactly. can't move that date either. You're just no. on the ride. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. You know, question, um, you know, tying into the, the past and the history and whatnot, um, you know, you're a, you're a senior, senior level thought leader, marketer, VP, you know, as you look back and I know you, you came into it from a cool, like that, that art angle and what kind of advice would you give yourself when you were first getting into marketing? Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, some of the things that I could give, yeah. What would you I'm tell gonna yourself? Pretend, you know? I'm yeah. going to pretend that I was trying to get into marketing today because a lot of the things that I would recommend didn't exist. Good point. I, yeah. That's a sorry. great, that's a great, yeah. Um, so we talked earlier about just the fact that there is an actual certification for mm -hmm. agile in marketing. I, like, I would recommend if you're a young marketer, I would recommend going and getting that certification as a starting point and educating yourself about agile. The reality is it's still not in, um, I've actually have, there's a bunch of marketing professors who have reached out to me and have incorporated my book into their curriculums, which is awesome. That's, That's really, really gratifying. Cool. That's really cool. To have that experience, um, but at the macro level, this content still isn't in the standard marketing um, curriculum. I think it's making its way in, but it's making its way in primarily through uh, not the textbook, but through books like um, um, Eric Reese's book, yeah. uh, The Lean Startup, yeah. or um, you know, hopefully my book too, and others like the Scott Brinker's book about hacking marketing. And there's mm -hmm. just, there's good content coming to market. So that's how I see it coming. Um, so that would be one thing that I would recommend. Um, a second thing that I'd recommend is just to take a ton of risk early on in your career. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, uh, the further you get into the your career and your trajectory, it, it becomes harder to take risk. And, um, so, I would get start your career giving yourself a lot of opportunity or yeah, a lot of opportunity to do experiments. And, um, you know, if you're working in an environment where that's earlier stage, you have to fundamentally take more risk and you have to get comfortable working in that kind of environment. I think that that will pay dividends over the long term. Um, I, I think finding a mentor who has some knowledge or experience or somebody that you look up to can be really, really helpful. I would say I, I could do, I could be even better at this, but I, I have invested a lot in building a network. And I think that that network really started very early on for me. 
And I wouldn't have been able to write my book without the network. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be on my own trying to advance the adopt, uh, adoption of agile and marketing on my own. Like right. it, it takes a group of people or a network to do that. And um, every day, uh, part, a big part of my job is tapping into my network and figuring mm -hmm. things out as a network. So I think just starting to invest in that network early on is really important. Huge, huge. I love that. Yeah. Take risks, find a mentor, build a network, and that Agile certification. I could see that. Um, I'm, I'm on a path. I've got some to-dos myself over here on, on yeah. following up with that. What, what are some of the ways that people can connect with you? you know, give us some URLs or some links. of you know, Do you want to connect on Twitter or LinkedIn? Um, throw, throw some uh, yeah. things for us. I'm Twitter, you can find me at rsmartly on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm there, uh, not a ton. I'm kind of reserved a little bit with my Twitter, but I do respond quickly. Sure. Um, and uh, I would definitely feel free to connect me with uh, on on me on LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, if you think that you have an agile story to tell, um, and you're getting into this space, I would say um, go to the uh, the Marketing Agility podcast and fill out a form there. We'd love to potentially, if you've got a story that's worth telling and that what other marketers would benefit from, we'd love to hear it. And um, I can help facilitate that. You know, the goal of our podcast is really to bring on a broad range of marketers working in any different context. And we want to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, uh, so uh, we've, we've covered lots of different topics there, but we'd potentially love iTunes, to iTunes, Stitcher, all those places yeah. you can find that. Yeah. It's the Marketing Agility Podcast. Yeah. And of course, check out my book. If you're really interested in yes. this, my book is a great place to start. For sure. We're going to put a link in the show notes, but it's called The Agile Marketer. Yeah. Agile? Agile. <laughs> you're the author. What, what do you want? What, yeah, what do we you know, call it? That, you're the first person to actually ask me that in a really long time. <laughs> uh, I, I say agile. Agile. That's yeah. it, man. You got it. You're the uh, you're the author, so I, I will. I think either either way goes. I will respond to both. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So the the agile or the agile marketer. Uh, I love the subtitle too. Uh, turning customer experience into your competitive advantage. So that's yeah. Kindle. I'm, I'm looking at Amazon right now. Kindle. It's also on, on audiobook, which is great because that's what I like to do. Did you Did you read it, or did you? I, you know, uh, I did not. And the guy okay. who. I, you will be happy that I am not reading it when you hear the person who's reading it because he's he's great. He okay, not, cool. Uh, he sounds very authoritative. Don Hagen. Yeah, he does. He, he sounds great. He makes me sound really good. Well, that's smart. I, I hear it's a lot of work. And it I is a lot of work, yes. It's really hard because you wrote the thing and you're like, oh, yeah, it makes sense in my head. But when you have to actually say it out loud, it's this whole mind game around it. So. So the book is, is definitely an, an introduction and a foundation in agile marketing, yeah. but it does go a little bit beyond that. And it, it's, it talks about the role that adopting agile has on the, on the profession and the trajectory of the CMO. Oh, very cool. So, um, one of my inspirations early on to write the book was, I'm, you know, I, I would consider myself a little bit of a student of Peter Drucker. Yeah. 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 And, um, I have a bunch of Peter Drucker quotes in the book, but um, when, when you think about the path that marketers are on, the CMO has traditionally been the steward of the brand. Mm. 
And so there's a, there's a Peter Drucker quote actually that I wrote down because it, it's, so, it's, it's such a good one that I should just say it out loud, which is yes. there, are, there are only two things in business that make money, innovation and marketing. Everything else is a cost. <laughs> so just parsing that statement, what he's basically saying there is that there are two drivers of the business. There's innovation, which is the steward of innovation in companies today is really product management. Okay. Yeah. And marketing. And marketing is really, it's not just being the steward of the brand, it's being the steward of customer experience. Customer experience is the thing that, um, it's the aspirational thing that, that CMOs can own if they play their cards right. And um, in order to succeed, I think they have to understand and embrace agility. It, if you look at uh, companies, certainly, Fang companies, but the, the the technology companies that are dominating in the market, you know, there's there the most elevated or influential person in the company is usually the head of product management. Hmm. It's the person who's leading the product. Right. That's the hero right, right. now in these companies, and uh, you know, you have some companies where this person, like Steve Jobs, he was a marketer, but he was also a product leader, product. right? And you combine that into one person, or Elon Musk is a good sure. example of this. Um, most companies don't have that consolidated into a single individual. But, but for we're, we've been in a period where um, that product leader is driver of innovation is really the hero within the organization. Marketers have an opportunity to be a better partner for that person mm. and to sit with them. And what Drucker is saying is like, these are the two primary leaders of the business wow. over the long term. These are the value drivers for the business. But marketing hasn't been able to elevate the function to really fully contribute at the level that the product leader has. And so that's the long-term goal that I see behind adopting Agile. Agile is one of the tools that marketers need to be able to elevate the role and the function. And it is the tool, by the way, that helped the product leader get to where they are. Huh. So we're just taking a page right out of their yes. book and putting it to use to advance our profession and to, to earn the right to, to be a partner and a leader within these businesses. And they're already speaking that language. So if we speak that, we're even a better totally. partner for them. Yes, totally. And the whole company's aligned then. It's not just products going off doing their thing and marketing and sales or you're Absolutely. all in lock and step. That's really cool. Yeah. Like, it's interesting that Drucker said that. He wasn't like, oh, the, the head of sales is the... Yeah, no, this was like 30 years ago he said driver. this. Driver. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Another thing that he said, which I think the other, like probably most famous quote that he said is that culture eats strategy for business, for breakfast. Wow. And this, this is basically his way of saying, or I would interpret that to say, um, you can't, strategy is great and you should have a strategy practice, but at the end of the day, it's not like, if you build the right culture, it's the ability of the company or the organization to be able to pivot and figure out the shortest path to product market fit that's going to allow them to be competitive. That is the sustainable competitive advantage. There is no strategy that will really survive over the long term. Like strategy needs to change and evolve as the landscape changes and evolves, right? right? And what Drucker is saying, like for me, 
agile is really the mechanism or a mechanism to build your company culture, a culture that empowers people from the bottom up, a culture that can integrate top down, um, uh, you know, strategy with what we're learning on the ground right. or the yeah. vision, actually, yeah, not yeah. strategy, the vision at the top with what's actually working on the ground. So agile is, is, is a substrate to build this culture. And if you can build an agile culture within your organization, and this goes beyond marketing, like this is the business in general, the business side of the house needs to embrace agility. And we see there is an agile movement in finance. It's called the beyond oh. budgeting movement. Okay. And there's an agile movement in other parts of the business. Marketing is really the gateway for agile to come into the rest of the business. Um, if you can build a company that has that agile culture and works in a different way, that is actually the most profound competitive advantage, sustainable competitive advantage. And that's really what Drucker's talking about. Mind blown right there. It's the gateway for the whole organization to be an agile mindset. Oh. Yeah, I'm part of something called the Business Agility Institute, which is looking beyond just marketing at the larger um, business side of the house. And um, people can find that on my LinkedIn page and, or just um, Google Business Agility Institute. Okay. That's a great venue to learn more about this. Definitely. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes as well. This is awesome. Great. This is awesome. You know, we're, I don't know if you looked at the clock, but we've just like, you know, waterfalled through or agiled through a whole whole series of conversations and this has been really exciting and interesting and and i've got thousands of notes i don't i've been taking notes over here all right i've got i've got a lot this has been awesome man i think i mean thank you so much for coming in here and schooling me and everyone else in terms of uh, it, my mind is so much bigger now is more open to the possibilities this isn't just awesome. about that tactical practice right it's about the larger goal of elevating marketing yeah. Uh, fulfilling that Drucker promise, that Drucker quote. Totally. Well, I'm glad to be of service. I hope this was useful for your listeners. Absolutely. And you know, for those people listening too, if you learned anything, and I know you did because I've took pages of notes over here, share this with someone else um, on your team uh, that you work with, start creating this thing internally, get the book, create a little internal group, a little inter internal study group and make these changes yourself. And that's how you're really going to grow yourself in that marketing space. Uh, so thank you again, man. This has been great. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, everyone. This has been the hardcore marketing show. We will catch you all next time. <laughs>